Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole podcast. We've had a little bit of a break, a chance to uh, commiserate after England's World Cup exit, and we're back. And I'm delighted to be joined by Frankie Taylor. Frankie, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good for the uh, good for the break from the Premier League, but I didn't get to go on a nice trip to Dubai like I'm sure some of the Fulham players did. So, uh, but yeah, not bad, mate. How you been? Yeah, all good, mate. I didn't have any warm winter tra- winter warm training or whatever you call it these days either. No, still freezing everything off basically <laughs> in in London and uh, and waiting patiently for for the Premier League to resume because annoyingly. We've been quite good this season, and I'm not sure the break helps us. I don't know. What what, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you feel confident coming back with Crystal Palace on Boxing Day? or I, I really don't know, but I feel like this whole season's been a bit of a don't know. We've done much better than I thought would have anticipated. Uh, and uh, each game, we just seem to be on that competitive level that we've not seen us for since Roy Hodgson was in charge, it feels like. Um it, 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 the one painful thing to me is we've had to sit on those two last-minute losses against the, the Manchester sides, and that has been really irritating to to sit on. I just I want the next game to come up as soon as possible. I'm glad you're not over it because I'm not, I, and, I, and I reckon it festers with Marco Silva as well to to play whatever you might say about the state of Manchester United currently. They're still a big team. Yeah. Um, and I thought we played really well in the second half. And there were elements of that game at Manchester City where well, we've discussed it before. You could have been a little bit more assertive with them down to 10 men. But the manner in which we lost what would have been very good points. Yeah, it still rankles, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's really painful, especially that United game. At times I was like, United are going to be over the moon with a point here. And then they went and nicked all three. I was like, for God's sake, oh my what? And it looked like it was... ball was out. I'm not being funny. That that touch from uh, Camacho before he, you know, when he controls it, mm. I'd like to see the old uh, VAR on that one. Not that they use it in the Premier League for, for on-the-line decisions, but I have to say that one looked a bit um, dubious. Yeah, it, it it was a painful one. I mean, the moment that goal went in, I left. I left the Hammersmith ends. I was just like, no, I can't, I can't. I know that could have backfired badly had we nicked an equaliser, but it was just so painful. I've never been so annoyed that it just felt it just felt like an insult of like justice. It was yeah, it, it is what happens in the Premier League. You sleep for one moment and that's it. Game's gone. And I hate to tell you, there wasn't even barely enough time to kick off again. So there was barely no chance of a of an equaliser. Uh, look, I'm glad we had this sort of therapy session between the two of ourselves <laughs> to, to, you know, to, to put that behind us. And my next question was going to be sort of how well have we done? Um, but I guess you, you've already hinted at that. We've got to be pleased with where we are even though, you know, there are a few games where you've looked at and thought, on reflection, we could have done something a bit differently. We're well ahead of the curve, aren't we, at the moment? Yeah, you've got to think so. I mean, 19 points, we're nearly halfway to that magic 40-point 40, uh, 40 mark, which might even be more than enough you need to stay up this uh, this season. But we've got, what's it, 23 games to get another 21 points to hit the 40 we're yeah, we're way ahead of where where you think you would be. And considering we've been to we've been to Arsenal, we've been to Tottenham, we've been to Man City, we've had Liverpool and United arrive. 
Um, we've got to be we've got to be really really happy with this. It, it feels comfortable. It feels like we're not in that mix. And obviously, if we switch off at this start at the restart, um, we could get sucked into it. So a good strong start, we could end up coasting to Premier League safety this season. I don't want to. Uh, I don't I like want to jinx positivity. Anything. I was just saying that somebody reminded me yesterday. We're only six points off the off the drop zone at present. I know it's because a lot of teams are clustered together but the the importance of a good restart if you like is is very um important and our points total is all the better for the fact that we've not sort of sat back and let teams come at us we've not looked overawed we've stayed true to those fundamentals that marco silva wanted to put in place right at the start of his time at, at fulham haven't we I mean, absolutely. I mean, only six teams have scored more goals, I think it is, than us this season. We've scored more than United, Chelsea. So we we can put the ball in the, in the back of the net. And uh, even though we do tend to concede them, I don't feel like we're as open as we have been previously. It's it's literally little little hints and misses. It's Premier League lessons, I think, more is probably the best way to say it. You switch off for one second and the opposition score a goal. So that's the only thing we'd need to sort of tighten up at. But I feel like defensively we look solid, but we just seem to concede through through little moments more than anything. But being able to put the ball in the back of the net and not just with uh not just with Mitrovic, we've been thankful to get some others chipping in. So Bobby Decker over Reeds, Nick DeCouple, Paulinha from set pieces. Uh, William at Leeds, one of my favourite goals, I think, of the season. Harrison Reed's even added to his tally. So we, we've got some goals from a lot of places as well, even though everyone will talk about Mitrovic and him maybe being the reason we stay up. I think it's been a real team effort all round. And let's have a chat then about what we feared with the World Cup, which was people who haven't necessarily been fit through the course of the season. Mitrovic, obviously the big one. Harry Wilson... Um, and the like, and Jao Paulina being a key player, them going off to the World Cup and one of them getting injured. And, you know, I'm touching some wood right now. You might be able to hear that. Um, um, it hasn't happened. So, if anything, Mitrovic probably looks more fit now at the end of his World Cup campaign than he did at the beginning of it. And you can potentially integrate those players back into the first team squad with possibly, whisper it quietly, Maynor Solomon as well. Oh, yeah, that's another one. That's going to feel like a new signing out, uh, Maynor Solomon. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it would have been good for Harry Wilson to get minutes in his legs as well. I mean, he, we kind of felt like we forced him in a little bit early uh, with all the injuries we just had. So now he's had a few more minutes. I, I presume he's back training and all sorts now. Um, same with Mitrovic, like just getting their minutes back in the legs, getting uh, match fit again. So, yeah, it does half feel like we're going to come back stronger. Uh, the only problem is Robinson's performances seems to have the uh, the big Italian giants sniffing around. So, uh, yeah, whether we lose a left back in January or not is to, is to be seen, I said. Well, I mean, I don't know. Those two particular Italian giants, Internazionale and AC Milan, well, they seem to be about as potless as me before Christmas, you know, hunkering around to to find some money to buy the presents that everyone's asked for. Um, <laughs> it seems like they both have to sell before they can buy. And also, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure about 
we're already quite stretched in the left back department without letting another one go. Um, and there's no suggestion that Robinson would be first choice at either of these teams. And it seems like um, the the regular football he's had at Fulham helped him cement that US spot and then go on to be a key player in that in that team. Seems seems a strange move to me right at this moment. I think we've been somewhat notorious for that, it feels like, in the past. Um, we, we like to create holes for ourselves um, <laughs> occasionally. I'm trying to think of uh, think of one at the top of my head. but um, well, Perhaps when like... we sold Moussa Dembele, having made him into a central midfielder and then had no one to replace him. That... <laughs> yeah, that's up there. I mean, even as recently as last year, selling Dennis Adoy in the January window at the death. So then we'd had to bring in Nico Williams, which then led to us needing to buy a right back, Kevin and Barbu this summer, who looks like he's completely out as we're linked to a couple already this summer. It's, it's, it's chaos. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I think it'll be hard to reject, say, 20 millions in front of you. Uh, obviously, we only bought Anthony for 2 million. You've got to fancy your chances to be able to sign a replacement left back with some of that cash, but... Again, you don't want to start giving yourself holes to fix that don't need to be need to be there when you can wait until the summer. Um, so yeah, it's no no real rush. Why do we need to sign a replacement? We've got Levin Kazawa scoring goals in Portugal, ready to come in and hit the ground running, haven't we? I'm, well, I, I didn't even know he scored in Portugal. I've I've, not, I've been up not up to date at all. I don't know what's happening down, uh, in Portugal. I saw a load of the academy players went over. But that's about it. That's uh, so right. I'm glad you've been paying attention, son. Um, <laughs> it was a great header from a court, from a from a short corner in a match where the ref didn't turn up, so the Portimento manager had to referee the game. Um, <laughs> very Sunday league vibes. I don't know. You know, you must have played in a game where the ref didn't turn up and someone else had to do it. I'm sure we've all done that. Um, yeah. So. Well, no, I, I like the idea of Bo Morte running down the wings with the flag replacement lino. <laughs> Bo Morte would probably have two-footed somebody on the pitch. <laughs> Never mind flag for offside. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and that you you answered my my next question, which was going to be, what about Kevin and Barbu? You know, a couple of stories that uh, we're looking at right back, which is no surprise really. Him and Marco Silva don't appear to have hit it off. And it's an odd one because if you when he whipped that ball in for Mitro to win the game against Brentford, you know, thank you Thomas Frank for putting um Bermo up in Bermo up against Mitro in the box. I mean, that was a brilliant tactical move. Um I would have been very surprised to predict in the future that he might not have a future um at Fulham, but I suppose this is modern football. You, you're either a right, you're either an attacking right back who fits the profile, or you're not. It's been a really strange one. I've been talking about it on Twitter since the news has come out about Cedric Suarez and Rick Karsdorp as well from Roma. That it, it, it just feels a bit bizarre. It feels like to me that Kevin and Barbu was, uh, was Marco Silva's maybe gone to Tony Khan and said, "We need, a, we need a right back, lad. Let's let's try and sign a right back." And Mbabu, whatever, has, has come in. It feels like more of a Tony Khan signing because he's arrived and he's never really seemed to be fancied. And I, I like you, 
saw those uh, that cross for Mitrovic and even the one I think it was moments before or after. I can't remember the Premier League's all a blur at the moment. My brain is going. Um, Welcome to old age, mate. Welcome to old age. (laughs) Was it the late twenties are grabbing me? Um, Blimey, younger than I remember. (laughs) He's uh, he whipped in a couple of absolute beauties, and you think, all right, like let him get his feet settled, and something might happen here. He came on against Arsenal and just got skinned. I think any time someone came up against him, you're like, oh my god! And then at Spurs, he had the left back stint. Um, it just feels like a bit of an unfair sample size. But obviously, we don't see what's going on behind uh, behind closed doors. Maybe he's hopeless in training. Maybe he's got a bad attitude. But it feels unfair to put that out there without knowing. Um, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And also, the Bobby Deckard over Reed doing so well at right back that kind of helped. His, no, his, his it, it, no, exactly. It feels like the writing's on the wall when, uh, I mean, Bobby can do a job there. He is capable of playing there, as as we saw. It didn't really feel like we were missing much. Um, no disrespect to Kenny Tete, but uh, it's more testament to how how Bobby filled in. But yeah, when you're putting in a makeshift midfielder um, at right back, then yeah, I think writing was on the wall. So it'd be interesting to see what we do. It seems like uh, Cedric or Rick Carstorps are the way. Yeah, and what do you think about either of those two? I mean, it seems like we're fairly advanced. I know we were speaking to Cedric Suarez in in the summer. Uh, Karlsdorp is one that seems to come on the radar because basically he's fallen out with Mourinho, which obviously puts him right up uh, in my good books towards the very top um, if you've fallen out with, uh, with, with Mourinho. Uh, what, either of those tickle your fancy, Frankie? I like them both, to be honest. I mean, Cedric's more unspectacular. And uh, I, f- I feel like if you told me two years ago that we'd be playing in the Premier League with <laughs> William and Cedric down the same side, I'd have, been, <laughs> I'd have been completely baffled. But, I mean, Cedric would just be that solid, reliable reliable option. He can do the job. He knows the Premier League. Um, and it bides you, bides you time for a couple of years. He can cover both fullback spots as well, which might be useful. Carl's thought really interesting because that seems to be, there's a bit of an investment in that one. I believe it's t- 10 million euros that Roma want and we're currently offering 8 million. Uh, but he's, he's a good player. Like he was really, really promising and fine Um His first few years at Roma are a bit disrupted through injury, but he was Jose's right back last couple of years, won the conference league there. So it seems like it would be good to take advantage of that situation. So uh, I'd be happy with either. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah, where uh, where else are you looking for um for reinforcements in January? Where do we need to to strengthen? Because it seems like we've got a decent first eleven, but the depth is lacking. Yeah, so, um, I've I was nervous with central midfield the moment that uh, the window shut. I felt like we needed one more. We didn't have a competition for Harrison Reed in that number eight sort of role where it is more box to box. It's very competitive. It's getting get in and around the area, create some overloads down that side. We don't have a like 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 for like replacement for him. And we kind of have seen that crop up at times. Um I'm thinking mostly when when we Paulinho got suspended, we had to play Chalaba, who then got suspended himself, and it got turned into a bit of chaos in that midfield. Harrison Reed's playing really well, but I think we definitely need uh, need an option as well, someone to help close the game out in the last sort of fifteen twenty minutes. And and you wonder whether the City or United games might have turned out a bit differently had uh, yeah, had he not brought on a Moron in that game against Manchester United. 
funnily yeah. enough, in my in my view. But they're the difficult players to get, aren't they? With all the attributes to cover that position. But in all likelihood, they are going to be covering that position. And it's similar to the chat that we'd have about perhaps needing a centre-forward um, at some point to, to cover for Mitrovic. You're going to have to attempt someone's Craven Cottage and then say, oh, yeah, by the way, but you're not going to be playing um, because I've got my, 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 my first choice central midfield partnership. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that brings us to Vinicius. He looks absolutely hopeless at times. He looks so <laughs> hopeless, but it's, it's half what you what you expect. He's only going to play a game here and there with Mitrovic's injuries, probably played more minutes than we'd have liked him to already. Um, so it's it's hard to say when he's not really playing regularly and then he's getting thrown into the top end of the uh, top end of the Premier League, but he can't seem to control the ball. He can't seem to seem to finish really. He looks he looks awful. But again, it's like what else can you do? Right? You can't sign a striker that's going to compete with Mitrovic at this point at least. Um because well, you don't I... want to start disrupting the apple cart with Mitro. Well you certainly don't. Um but I, I thought he did all right against Manchester United actually. He grew into that game and he did, yeah. caused some real problems. And De Gea makes a couple of was it was it De Gea? Makes a couple of yeah. it was De Gea, wasn't it? Makes a couple of brilliant saves from him. Um, and he just made a nuisance of himself. Now, and like you say, if you're not playing regularly, getting those combinations, especially when a number of the other players in that forward line or in the midfield are different because we've had injuries and suspensions and whatever, you're not going to have all those combinations and know where everyone's going to be. I don't know how much English he speaks. I imagine it's fairly limited. Um, And, yeah, uh, I just don't like this idea that, you know, people have already, there was a comment on the, on the website the other day. Well, Vinicius is just about conference level. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought, you know, having seen a lot of Fulham centre forwards, that is very harsh. You know? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go, uh, I wouldn't go that far. I am attributing it more to lack of game time, uh, lack of sort of synergy with his teammates. And I agree with you towards the end of that second half of that United game, he was, so much better. It was like a different player had come out at half time because the first half balls were being played played into him. And he might as well have touched it back to the keeper. His first touch was that poor, but um, yeah, he he seems to be coming on. But again, it's that problem of and we had it a little bit with Muniz uh, in the championship last season. It's like you kind of want to develop him on and give him some minutes, but how much do you take away from Mitrovic? Is ten minutes here and there in each game actually that valuable to him? Um, so it's probably good that Muniz is out on loan and we've got more established centre-forward, I guess. We haven't got to worry about development. It's just do a job for us when you are in. Even if Muniz is not necessarily a favourite of Michael Carrick at the moment. Um, I wanted to touch on the academy, Frankie, because it's something that you've written about and spoken about a number of times. Um, we're now at that point, seemingly, where we're beginning to produce several players who can slot into the the senior squad, if not the full first team, because it's very difficult to go from 21s football into the Premier League. Um, but the conveyor belt is, is beginning to churn out some some real players. And I remember from from the, your first days of writing about Hugh Jennings and and the, and the the genesis of that that Fulham Academy that it was something you were really looking forward to. 
back in the Dallas Cup days and all 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 of that all of that kind of thing. We're we're starting to get some people who may feature in that FA Cup tie at Hall potentially, but we've already seen a little bit of Luke Harris. And I'll shut up yeah. now. I, I love Luke Harris and I'm biased. So take it <laughs> away, mate. Yeah, I mean, Luke Harris seems to be the star of the of the next crop coming through. But again, Ollie O'Neill was superb. I think he's had the most assists and joint top scorer in the under-21 league at the moment. Uh, Pajaziti's already made his first-team debut, and he looks like a superb little technical midfielder. Uh, Callum McFarlane was signed from God knows where. It was like some sort of school. It was some college. Bradfield, I don't know where Bradfield College. From. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. There we go. He's come in. He's just like settled to academy football, like a duck to water. He was with the first team in in Portugal, and I think he scored in one of those games. I think that is one thing I do remember. Scored two. And yeah. There's, yeah, there's a couple that like don't even get have not really been mentioned um, as we talk about like long term development of players. And Matt Dibley Diaz is uh, or Dibley Diaz probably uh, the Brazilian young Brazilian Englishman. He's an excellent excellent technical midfielder. There's some really good players that just keep continuing to come through. Uh, and I guess it is just trying to keep open that pathway into first-team football, which I think Silver has done. He's used the Carabao Cup um, Carabao Cup to it. Um, we've seen Luke Harris on the bench. He's made his Premier League debut. Uh, but Aaron Lupar-Lubai, I'm not sure I'm pre- <laughs> pronouncing that correctly. He's been on fire for the under-18s at the moment. Uh, I think he scored a couple when we batted Chelsea 7-1. So, um, yeah, it's really, really encouraging to see these uh, to see these young players come through. And it's kind of sort of that new step of uh, Hugh Jennings sort of moves into his new role. Um, I'm not too sure. Has the Mike Cave stuff been out yet? Has that been officially announced? Yeah, so Mike, Mike Cave has left to go to Brighton and uh, and a couple of the academy coaches are acting up at the moment they're, they're still advertising or in the process of appointing a new a full-time replacement for for mike cave um so it's a bit of a team effort at the academy but you, you mentioned that the 18s are on some run at the moment um and the 21s fair play to them they're, they're right up there towards the top of that um pl2 table uh, and the other thing that's really interesting is we're starting to loan out some of our young players to get EFL experience. Um, yeah. So, so I think the the standout one for emotional reasons that everyone knows about is Jay Stansfield um, at Exeter, who's doing really well. Um, but you've also got uh, Kieran Bowie. Um, yeah. Doing really well at Northampton. Uh, Tay Ashby Hammond going really well under your old mate uh, at Stevenage. Want want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I can't stand up to Steve Evans. What a prat. He's just an awful black in it. But I'll tell you what, he gets results down in those lower leagues. It's unbelievable. But he's a twat, isn't he? Well, he's not my favourite bloke either. I mean, but yeah, you're right. That sort of primitive football does does deliver results. Um, but Kieran going really well um, at Northampton. The, the, the interesting thing is Tay who had a really good loan spell with Boreham Wood, starting, yeah. uh, you know, they're going really well. And he's a key part of that defence that seems very miserly um, at that at that level as well. Yeah, it's, he's kind of following that uh, Marek Rodak path as well, where he had a year in non-league and now he's back, now he's in the Football League at Stevenage and he's doing really well. You've got to think it's maybe a move into League One, whether that's still at Stevenage if they go up or... 
or somewhere else, but he's playing he's playing really well. I mean, Stansfield is a starter up there. They've had a managerial change as well. And I think that's kind of always a worry with when you've loaned players out, that you loan them to a certain head coach or manager and uh, they get replaced halfway through the season and suddenly the new bloke doesn't fancy them. So I think it's a good sign for Jay that he is still involved and playing regularly. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it seems to have been more of a Mike K thing, but I'm completely guessing because Hugh Jennings seemed to, when he was in charge, it was very few and far between that these players would go out on loan. He'd like to keep them here working with the first team, training under our setup. Uh, and more recently, we have been loaning out tons of players. I'm glad I don't do the loan report anymore. It's taken <laughs> hours on a Sunday just trying to blag all these players together. Because, um, yeah, we've not even mentioned about Steven Sessignon at Charlton, Tyrese Francois in, uh, is it Croatia? Um, Croatia, yeah. Yeah, we've got loads of players all, all over the place. Um, Sean Pierre, so yeah, he's really- is in Scotland scoring goals, yeah. Um no, so so I think it's that's really encouraging. Um, and Stephen Sessignon scored a goal uh, the other week. He'll kill me for the astonishment in my voice um, <laughs> about about that because he was a a goal scorer in youth football when he played slightly further forward. But there are uh, positive signs in respect of uh, some of these some of these players coming through and getting experience, particularly in terms of the goalkeepers, as you mentioned, you know, Marcus Bettinelli had that, that pathway as well into, uh, into our first team by getting, going and getting senior football experience at a number of clubs and not being so daunted when, you know, we got the call from, from Kit Simons that he was going to be the number one, the number one goalkeeper. Right. Let's. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be right not to uh, finish this podcast with a quick chat about Palace and that game on Boxing Day. What are you thinking? Interesting opposition. Patrick Vieira, Palace, very much a hipster team, um, going quite well in the Premier League. What What, what are you thinking for Boxing Day, Frankie? It, yeah, it'll be a tough game. Let's see, see Joachim Anderson back <laughs> back again in that. Uh... Back line. You do wonder how well we'd be doing if we had oh, his, uh, yes, his long indeed. balls in there. Um, yeah, he's been he's been excellent since moving to Paris. Since coming to England, really, I've got not got a bad word to say about him. He seemed like a top bloke. Um, and it's a shame that his year at Fulham was largely behind closed doors, other than the, the couple where <laughs> 10% or however many it was were allowed in. But yeah, that Palace side is, I think, full of sauce is what the kids want to say. It's... Uh, when you've got Wilfred Zaha, Eze, Elise, it, they're, they're so technically talented and skillful. And Zaha's the star of the show, but there's many, there's lots of moving parts of skill and just um, it's got so much flair in that team. But with an Anderson and Decore in midfield, Gwehi at the back as well, it's got a real solidity as well. I feel like. Um, I feel like Vieira's got a really nice mix at the moment. Um, didn't get a penny to spend in the summer because they banked all of Roy Hodgson's uh, summer transfers into the previous year. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really tough game. They're a solid Premier League side now, it seems. Um, unfortunately, they didn't seem to have taken our spot as uh, as that from years previous. Um, but, yeah, they're a very good side. It's going to be a tough game. Um not too sure what to expect, though. We don't know how people will react out of um, out of a four-week break. 
Um, it could even be longer than that. I, I don't know, mate. The, the days and weeks have all blended into each other, but it feels like forever since uh, since I've been. But obviously, it's a Boxing Day game, which is like, it feels different in itself. So, um, yeah, I have no real idea what to expect results wise, but uh, I know they're a very talented team. I'm sure Marco Silva's been uh, been doing all the all the tape studying and all sorts. Um, during the break and working with the boys, uh, doing the tactical breakdowns and all sorts. So, um, yeah, it'll be a tough game, tough game to come back to. You're actually braving it, Boxing Day, aren't you? I'm giving it a go. Yes, sir. Always. I've got to, uh, got, got to represent the, uh, the Fulham family in, 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 in one of the worst way in, <laughs> in to man, because if you're in the wrong spot, you can't see anything. Um, but uh, sometimes that's an advantage when you're watching Fulham away from home, obviously. But I would quite like to see the pitch this time. So we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> it reminds me, I went to uh, I went to Palace once for the <laughs> Ducky Friedman testimonial when we played uh, we played Crystal Palace under Roy Hodgson. Uh, it was basically our kids. I regretted ever going. But it was just as we were about to sign Andy Johnson from Everton and he was there as like part of the, I don't know, I don't know what it was, presentation for Ducky Friedman. And uh, obviously the Fulham fans were all loving up uh, Andy Johnson as everyone knew he was about to sign. It was all but official. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not my favourite ground to go to, I'll put it that way. No, my favourite memory at uh, Sellers Park would have been watching Steve Malbronk before he signed for us as a trialist uh, in, a, in a friendly Again, again, you know what was meant to be a behind closed doors friendly at, at Crystal Palace, but quite a few of us knew about it, and they let us in. Um, and that was where one of my mates uh, christened the old Steed, you know. <laughs> um, so I'll always remember it for that because he was getting strange looks from everyone who didn't seem to know who Malbronk was um, or what he was saying. And by the start of the season, it 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 caught on, you know, in uh, in the in the old uh, Fulhamish parlance. But there we are. Uh, right, Frankie, one more question for you, my friend. Um, uh, it's coming up to Christmas. You're a Fulham fan. I have to ask this. If you could have one thing for Christmas, what's it going to be? Oh, you've put me on the spot here because part of me wants Messi to win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I won't say it. I'll just throw it out there that I'm back in Argentina for yeah, the World okay, Cup final. Okay. It, yeah, has, yeah. it has to be Messi. I want him to retire his international career with a World Cup. That's it. Don't um, fancy him having for... a season at Craven Cottage after, you know? <laughs> that... <laughs> that, that would be nice if we could get that done. I, I always remember it was a weird article. I'm digressing. Uh, and it was Mohamed Ali back in the Alfaya days. Yeah. And he said, I can't remember what manager he was, but he said, if they wanted to sign David Beckham, I'd sign David Beckham. And I was fuming that we never signed David Beckham. <laughs> I just thought, especially when he was doing his like free agent loan tour on his breaks from LA Galaxy, I was like, just. Give them what you want. You're going to make all the money back on shirts. I can have a Fulham shirt with Beckham on the back and it never happens. So, yeah, I would love Messi. I'd love nothing more than like a legend's retirement. <laughs> Superb. But, and what do you want for Christmas, Frankie? Do you know what? I want to say Premier League safety, but I'm going to be more ambitious than that. Yes, on European conference football league. League yes. On That's European what... football. That's what I'm after. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice. It'd be very nice to uh, to be sort of maybe another trip to Basel, or you know, some some sunnier climes, warmer climes. It'd be, it'd be lovely. I, I am trying to save up for a house, and I have said at work, 
next year is a write-off if we qualify for Europe <laughs> because all my money is going on to these random like two-day trips. Let's let's go back to Vilnius or uh, the Faroe Islands. I do. Why not? <laughs> it's all right, mate. We can write a joint letter to our bank managers apologising in advance for you know, <laughs> like there being no money left because we've gone on a hammy and jaunt around Europe. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people ready to join us as well in that eventuality. Um, it must be said that we need to secure uh, Premier League safety first. But, if, you know, back-to-back wins over uh, Crystal Palace and then Southampton and then Chelsea, why not? You know, we could win five games in a row and then we'd be, we'd be safe. I mean, and then I'll wake up. So... <laughs> With all that being said, Frankie, thanks for uh, for joining me for a little canter through various issues. Hope to have you back on the podcast soon. Yeah, we, I'm sure we'll make it work. I always enjoy doing it, mate. You're uh, very welcome. Thank you for thank you for hosting me. Always, mate. It's always a great pleasure. Uh, thank you to everybody who's uh, listened and, and supported this this venture and all our uh, podcast hosts and co-hosts and guests uh, over the first sort of five or six months of doing this we're definitely going to continue uh over the christmas period and into the new year all that remains for me to say is that i hope you're enjoying your your winter and hopefully we'll see some of you on saturday at craven cottage for the friendly against west ham if we don't it's crystal palace on boxing day where we've sold out the allocation so you'll all be there in good voice i'm sure take care and come on you whites